Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now, Hawks executive Arthur Trish. Do you not have privileges with the rookies? You can't make them take care of that? Ooh, you think I'm going to tell Ivan Johnson something? Are you crazy? I value my life. With your host, Galliop Anderson. Stops it down behind his head. Seku Smith and Lang Whitaker. The NBA's executive vice president of basketball, Richard Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, when players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of the nation, Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip-off. Well... After a nice long hiatus, we are back to Hangtime Podcast. Seku Smith from the uh, Hangtime blog at NBA.com. Lang Whitaker, my partner in crime in New York. Uh, I, I, I blame this on you, Lang. What's that? And, the, you know, tell everybody that since Ricky Rubio went down, you've been incommunicado and we couldn't find you. <laughs> but they know that was a lie. You've been tweeting and writing and doing your thing. Jerry Wall, our engineer, is back there behind the glass. Micah Hart is somewhere in the ether. We gotta find. We gotta get him back in here. We gotta find our super producer and rope him back in here to the studio. But uh, we apologize uh, for the the tardiness. We're, we're a month late since All Star Weekend. Uh, it took a lot out of us. <laughs> yeah, so same. You know, between that and the trade deadline, I, I didn't know if we'd ever get back. You know, you, get the energy you still back. Haven't gotten over getting T-boned by Jadakiss. <laughs> I know. Don't start. Don't start with that again. But uh, and and then we also had a little, little, little drama for 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 Gerald. He he's a a Colts fan, yeah. and uh, there was a death in the Colts family. Peyton Manning's jersey was retired. He moved on. He's now a Denver Bronco. And and Lang, send flowers, please. I mean, Gerald's he, he's struggling. It's 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 tough for him. So send some flowers, would you? Or or a. Denver jersey. <laughs> or Tebow jersey. <laughs> I'll take it either way. <laughs> but the the league has obviously gone on in our absence, Lang. Uh, trade deadline is coming gone. Dwight Howard is still in place. Um, the Miami Heat have actually hit a, a rough patch in their season. We'll talk some more about that later with one of our guests. Um, but we're down to the, the, the wire here now. We got the last, basically the last month of the regular season, not even a full month. Um, you know, 15, 14, 15 games for a lot of teams. Mike Woodson is now in New York. Mike D'Antoni is what know, sanity is gone since we were last here. Uh, what what do you see shaping up as the the big story heading into these final uh, few weeks of the regular season? I think there's about ten. I don't know if there is one <laughs> big story. I mean, look, people are kind of sleeping on Chicago right now, but. Um, you know, they've got the best record in the league. Um, Oklahoma City has kind of quietly just continued rolling along all season. Um, I, I, if you had to pick a big story, what would it be? 
Well, uh, you know, in addition to uh, what happens in New York and how that kind of colors the playoff picture in the Eastern Conference, there's been so much drama with the Lakers and the Clippers. And, I mean, what's an NBA season without some L.A. drama, of course? Yeah. But, you know, so much is, is yet to be determined uh, in terms of playoff positioning. I just think you couldn't ask for a better race to the finish, I think, in 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 the standings on both sides than what we're getting right now. And, you know, from the Bucks and these other teams and, and whether or not the Knicks can hold them off and make the playoffs, uh, you know, who who ends up getting that four spot out west, you know, can the Thunder, who have, who have had some pretty impressive wins here lately, uh, they're on a five-game winning streak, uh, thumped, the, thumped the heat in, a, in LeBron, got thumped a little bit by Kevin Durant in a head-to-head matchup last weekend. Then they come back and bounce the Lakers last night, you know, in L.A. with a really impressive game, Russell Westbrook. Like you said, there's so many different storylines uh, going on around the league right now. It's hard to to reach up and just pick one. Uh, Final Four weekend as well. Uh, we can't can't forget about that. Uh, is going on. And uh, I don't know. It's, it, this is that time, Lang, when you talk about kids declaring for the draft, yeah. NBA playoffs winding down the Final Four weekend, all of this different stuff. You know, you, you get reports coming out, Steve Nash and Jason Terry talking about free agency now and where they might be looking in the summer. The heat comes up with both guys. I mean – it's a it's kind of a tidal wave of of information and and you know storylines going on, but I'm you know I, I'm really curious what do you what do you think is the upside like what what can this Knicks team do uh, you know give you know depending on whether or not Amari comes back yeah. he's out right now injured Jeremy Lin is battling some injuries but I mean what do you what do you think is the ceiling for this Knicks team under Mike Woodson? I think they're definitely a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all season long they've kind of battled all these injuries and, you know, it's been craziness going on and, you know, when sanity happens and then Carmelo um, gets hurt and now Amari's hurt. Um, Chandler was hurt for a little while there. Right. D'Antoni leaves. Like it's just been kind of an insane season for them. And I think maybe the best thing Woodson brings to them um, is stability. Yeah. You know, they know he's there for the rest of the year and, He's a pretty solid dude as a coach too. You know, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't really fluctuate from quarter to quarter, game to game, or anything. He's going to do what he wants to do, and and if you're not on with the program, you're not going to play. Right. Um. You know, and you and I both spent a lot of time with him and watched him a lot while he was with the Hawks. Um. I mean, I I think he's a really good fit for the Knicks. Um. Uh, what's your What's your take on that? Well, you know, I mean, they're in town. They're in Atlanta tonight. Um for a game with the Hawks and I just happened to be out and about in Buckhead last night. Um, and the Knicks were hanging out at uh, right. Ocean Prime that you saw, you know, some of the Knicks players tooling around there. Happened to see Jeremy Lin come walking up and Woody was there and I think he fined Jeremy Lin for showing up, <laughs> you know, at like closing time trying to find a you know, a steak dinner or whatever. But uh the the one thing I noticed about the interaction between Woody and his players last night was that They've got that same kind of playful but serious routine down that he had with the Hawks where, you know, Woody's, Woody's going to be smiling and really, you know, cool in some instances, but he's going to demand certain things out of you on the court, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that Knicks team needed a dose of Woody to, be, you know, believe it or not. I think sometimes when you've been in the kind of situation they were in for so long, 
you know, specifically with a, you know, with Mike D'Antoni and a coach who's internationally known as being a player's coach who's kind of laid back. Now, I'm not saying easy on anybody or right. – but, but certainly more laid back. A guy like Woody who comes in and, and is gruff a little bit and is direct and more stern and into the business at work – and then you know he can he can sit back and relax with the best of them when you're not working. But I think they maybe needed that kind of vibe. And I and I talked to Jared Jeffries a little bit about it. You know just how things are going. And the first thing I got to mention is Jared reminded me that he's he's ten years into the league. And I and I met him when he was in eleventh grade in uh, Indiana. So I was like, great, I'm the oldest man alive. You know, I had never felt older than when he said that. You know, but uh, he was just saying that they you know they have a lot of of cool interaction amongst those players. And he said, and to be fair, he said they had that when D'Antoni was there. He said it wasn't like that team wasn't, you know, vibing in terms of, you know, how they felt about each other and, and right. the attitude. He said that certainly wasn't the case. But I think the the focus on the court was was much different under Mike D'Antoni than it is under Mike Woodson. And I think Woody gives them a chance to maybe, if sometimes, Lang, even if it's just a, a temporary breath of fresh air, it allows a team to kind of refocus itself and, and change its direction a little bit which can be good yeah i agree and um and you know here in new york it's been interesting because normally about this time of year um baseball season starting and people start talking about the yankees and the mets and stuff but the, but the knicks are staying in the picture and uh people are talking about the knicks and talking about the playoffs and um you know i i mean it's been fun for me to watch too just as someone who's who's watched woody for so long right um i mean i was glad to see him get the chance and and to do so well at it yeah and he's let let me tell you something he's definitely in full-blown woody coach mode like (laughs) which is fun to see back again because uh you know he's he's got a certain quality about him as a head coach that there's some guys who are long-time assistants and then they become head coaches and you wonder like does this guy really have the the kind of temperament and the demeanor to be a, a head coach in the NBA. Woody has that. He's got that part of it down cold. I mean, he's mm-hmm. you walk in the room and he he's in coach mode and everybody knows he's the coach. You know, what I mean, that was Steve Novak actually came in to the to the place and uh, you know Novak is. I didn't realize how funny Steve Novak was, um, but he kind of came in and was you know giving Woody the business and Jim Todd, one of Woody's assistants. He was kind of giving them all the grief. You know, they're like, hey. You know, how's everybody doing, blah, blah, blah. And then Jim Todd was like, hey, well, who's out there with you, Steve? I'm going to come out there and see. And he's like, no, 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 you guys just stay here. We're, we're good out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, no, we don't need you out there. So it, it's it's interesting, that dynamic. You know, a lot of young players, a lot of older players. It'll, the the next thing will, will certainly be one to watch. Um, I think the Heat, uh, of course, duh, as if, if they're never, uh, you know, not on everybody's minds. I think the Heat story is one – that bears watching too. I, I noticed, you know, LeBron's averaging like 19 points in his last five games. He's hit yeah. the first real yeah. tailspin, or if you will, of his Heat career, like where he's just not playing very well, not shooting the ball well. It's funny that it's a, you know we consider this a tailspin. He's, he's, he's 28, 20 he's 28 and eight or whatever, and it's like, <laughs> oh man, he's struggling. You know, but I, you know, the, I think the whole team seems to kind of hit a little bit of a wall. Yeah. Um, you remember earlier this season they they came. They started the season shot out of a cannon, and they right. were trapping and flying up and down the court. And now that's slowed down some. Um, and I think they they just they kind of seem like the season's kind of started to take a toll on them too. They you know maybe they are human. Yeah, I wrote about that today on the uh, race to the MVP ladder on uh, on NBA dot com. The the weird weirdest thing about it too is that I'm not used to seeing LeBron and D Wade 
particularly look so fatigued. Like, yeah, LeBron was laboring up and down the floor the other night. Um, I mean, they had a game where he was throwing the ball away and doing stuff that was totally uncharacteristic. And I uh, wonder if, if in the long run this, you know, Derrick Rose has missed eight straight games now. Um, I wonder if in the long run this helps him out, having a break right now. Yeah. You know, come back with, what, like 15, 14 games left in the season and, and can get ready for the playoffs. Um, well, I mean, and, people people talk about this condensed season. You know, hey, you know, you, yeah. you, you cut off that first month, so there's not as much wear and tear in your body. But I think it's turned out that the schedule and the way these games have been flying at teams, you know, day after day has taken just as much a toll as the as the missed games might have really if you look at the cumulative effect. So I yeah. I think it we talked about it earlier. I know we talked about it with David Stern, NBA commissioner earlier this year. Um it'll be much more interesting to sit back and look after the season's done what kind of impact the the abbreviated season and the condensed schedule and and the sh- you know the shortened training camp and everything what kind of toll that took on different players and different teams. Right. Um you know, who knows, but Speaking of, speaking of, uh, you know, big, big momentous things. Uh, I mentioned earlier, like the Final Four is going on this weekend in New Orleans, and uh, you know, slight departure from our normal conversation. They're always talking NBA basketball. Uh, let's talk a little future of NBA basketball right now with a good friend of the program and a guy who everybody here at the Hangtime Podcast knows, Chris Dorch, uh, NBA dot com and NBA TVs. College draft expert. Everybody knows him from Blue Ribbon uh, College Yearbooks. Chris, New Orleans, Final Four, that doesn't get much better than that, does it? I, You know, I was telling somebody the other day, there's food and basketball, kind of what else is there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what do you need? <laughs> this, uh, this Kentucky team goes into the weekend, I would imagine, as kind of everybody's favorite, <clears throat> excuse me, on paper. But yeah. I mean, have have we not learned our lesson from assuming anything going into a Final Four the last couple of years? I mean, shouldn't we be shouldn't they be wary more than anybody else of of the hype going no, into I, the weekend? That's a good point, man. I, it, it's true. Uh, however, if, if you <laughs> most uh, the general uh, wisdom every year is that to get this far, you've got to have two or three draft picks, and Kentucky has seven. Uh, one of them won't go out this year, but six of them will. And, you know, they could have six first-round picks if, if Darius Miller got taken in the first round. So uh, they're loaded with talent. But more than that, guys, I think, is is their unflappability. For as young as they are, they're cool as ice. Yeah. And um, they've been through all sorts of situations that, you know, the old adage, they're not freshmen anymore. And that's really true. And I, I don't know that they were freshmen when they walked in the door. Uh, talking to a buddy of mine who's covered Kentucky for many years and he said you know this recruiting class that they brought in with Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist and those guys Calipari could, could work the rest of his career and not find guys who are preternaturally mature right. and competitive you know uh, Kid Gilchrist guys he I'm not saying he's Jordan but he's got Jordan-esque tendencies he's a super athlete but he gets in people's faces as a freshman mm-hmm. and and, uh, and and tells them what is, you know. And no. and uh, you just don't see that. And then Anthony Davis could care less if he uh, gets shots. Uh, they, don't, they don't design anything for him. He just goes with the flow and does what he does. And you don't find guys that talented that are that unselfish very often. Well, Chris, if, the, if there's a team that, 
put a shock into to Kentucky this weekend. I mean, is what other team do you think has a shot against them? Well, I, I like Ohio State guys, and people kind of forgot about them in February because they struggled a little bit down the stretch. Um, you know, uh, Buford has not been shooting the ball as well as he's capable. Haven't been shooting it well in this tournament right. as well as, as he's capable. But if that guy goes off, and, and here's a guy a guy uh, that, that's almost scored 2,000 points in his career. So he, he's a guy that can score the basketball in a lot of different ways. And he struggled a little bit, like I said. But if, if he were to go off, this team is potent because they've got Jared Saunders. You know, he's kind of a below-the-rim big, but he's effective. And then Deshaun Thomas has, has been the star of the tournament, maybe yeah. for anybody, uh, a true inside-outside guy. And so I think collectively, and then, of course, the great point guard that you need in Aaron Kraft. So I think collectively they've got the talent to do it. Uh, what, what, what I wonder about is the matchup in the post where Kentucky has just got so much shot-blocking talent, even beyond Anthony Davis, uh, that it's going to be hard for Sanger to kind of do what he does. Yeah, I was Chris. I was actually in Boston last weekend, and and was just with some friends on vacation, and we we went to the NCAA games, and I you know I saw Ohio State. My question was Sullinger, how do you feel he he translates to the NBA? I just didn't know if you kind of mentioned you know you said he's a below the rim big, and and but he seems pretty effective at you know what he is. Yeah, yeah, he's an old school big guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of a Wes Unsell type without the, uh, you know, the two-handed overhead outlet. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and, and not many people do, do those. Kevin Love is about the only other one that comes to mind. But, you know, he's got some skills. He's got face-up skills. He can pass it. Uh, but he's, he's, he is what he is. He's a roto-rooter, uh, a tractor, <laughs> and he does it well. And he's a good kid, and he's a hard worker. So I think that... Uh, you know, obviously, you know, in a, in a perfect world, you'd want him to be six eleven and 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 maybe more spelled and athletic. But you know, he uses his at- attributes to great effect. And I'm yeah. eager to see how he'll do because you know he's a good kid and a hard worker. And 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 like I said, he knows how to score. Chris, my favorite my favorite guy by far of all these these NBA prospects in the Final Four, and I, and I love Anthony Davis and Kid Gilchrist and these guys. But to me, if I'm looking at one guy on any of these rosters who looks like a surefire NBA, I'm not going to say superstar, but certainly a guy who can come in and, and produce at a high level right away, it's Thomas Robinson from Kansas. He just, you know, I was in St. Louis last weekend, actually, um, you know, for, for that regional. And watching him rebound and create space and kind of do all the other stuff other than just trying to score – really stuck out to me and I'm wondering where does he rank if you if you had to rank the prospects in the final four in terms of how you know how good you think they might be in the pros not necessarily where they're going to be drafted but guys with NBA ready potential where does he fit on your list he's definitely right up there and and the same things that are were true of him when he checked in the door as a freshman are true now super high motor competes you know decent size uh, strong relentless rebounder and and has developed his offensive game. You know, when the Morris twins were there, he doesn't didn't have to score as much as he does. But uh, I, I think he's a guy. You're right. He's going to come in there and compete from day one. NBA general managers know this, and uh, I, I'm I'm interested to see how he'll do as a pro. But I think he'll do very well. And he, I mean, and he's that that brings up another thing that's interesting to me. You you talk about the Morris twins. I don't remember hearing Thomas Robinson's name um, yeah. two years ago. Like. <laughs> 
he's a, he's one of these rarities in that he's not a guy who's been on everybody, or at least not on the NBA radar, from the moment he walked through the door. Is that is that kind of a testament to the work he's done, and or just how deep that program is at Kansas? Well, when when, when you're a college hoops geek like me, <laughs> <laughs> and I admit it, you know, you, you heard about him in mm-hmm. terms of talking to assistant coaches, and man, this guy's got a motor. Mm-hmm. Wait till you get a load of this kid. You know, he never quits. He always competes. And that's the kind of stuff that you just file away if you're me, you know, because down the road right. I'm going to be ended up talking about him on your podcast or <laughs> right. with Stephen Smith or somebody. And, 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 you know, I've just been hearing about that. And, mm-hmm. you know, you guys know this better than me, but if you come to the league with a work ethic, then uh, you're way better than most guys who – aren't prepared to work as hard as they might have to work. Right. If, if, if you've got a deficiency that needs showing up at the next level, you can devote as much time as you need to. And that's where I'm interested to see is, is uh, how much better a guy like him gets when he's got eight hours a day if he wants it. You know, they're right. limited to 20 hours now, and uh, there, there are things that uh, everybody needs to work on. And it's interesting to see how hard they get after it when they get up there. Well, what other guys, Chris, have helped themselves out during this NCAA tournament as far as their draft status? Well, I think uh, the big kid from Kansas, Jeff Withy, uh, he was a kind of a guy that, you know, again, last year with the Morris Twins, wasn't needed to do much. And he's developed into a, a, a competent low post score. He's actually disinclined to look to score. They've had to make him score. But what he really does, guys, he takes up space in there, and he's a shot blocker. Uh, right. I don't know if he comes out this year, but, but he's a guy that I think, obviously he was on people's radar, but he had 10 blocks in an NCAA game. So, you know, people like that. Yeah. Uh, you need somebody that could defend the best-scoring bigs in the league, and, you know, he's a guy who can get in the way and block some shots. I'll tell you, another guy I hadn't seen much of during the season, well, I mean, I hadn't seen much of any of these guys during the season because I don't watch much college basketball, <laughs> but I really like Bradley Beal from Florida. and He seems like oh, he's yeah. kind of – he seems like he's kind yeah. of come on lately. Uh, looks like a pro, acts like a pro, is is, is a pro in all but name. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. a, a, another another guy that you know, he's first of all God's gift uh, with his body. He's got a pro body. Uh, he's got a pro mentality in the way that he goes to work and. He, he averaged six and a half boards a game, guys. I, I don't know if he was the top rebounding guard. Uh, C.J. McCollum at Lehigh also averaged six and a half boards, but that's a lot of boards for a, a yeah. guy that played two slash three. Uh, gets to the rim with authority. Uh, uh, is a great jump shooter, a great three shooter, but didn't do that, ironically, that, that often this year. He wasn't that consistent from three. That was his forte, everybody said. But, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a lottery pick if he comes out. Uh, I, I've heard that it's not a matter of fact that he comes out. Uh, his father was quoted as saying that he really likes school and maybe interested in coming back. But if he doesn't, he's a top five pick. Chris, what what about? I mean, you know, you talk about Bill, um, and I know in high school his name was right up there with Austin Rivers and and some of those other top players in that freshman class. But where, where do Rivers? You know, the, the three kids in North Carolina, Harrison Barnes, uh, you know, Henson. And uh, and these guys, where do they all rank in terms of you know where they fit in the lottery? You think this year? Well, Rivers, uh, 
you know, I, I, from, from all I've seen with the, the mock drafts and stuff, he's kind of showing up in the 20s. Mm-hmm. And actually, the kid Dion Waiters at, at Syracuse, who just announced, uh, declared this week, who was sixth man, never started a game there, wow. is actually rated ahead of him by some people. So, you know, he had an he had a good year at, at, at Duke. Uh, he was, uh, you know, uh, uh, he got first team all ACC, which only six other players in history had done that as a freshman. He led Duke in scoring. Only two other players in history had done that. Uh, but he had a negative assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, I think people were critical sometimes of his decision-making. Mm-hmm. you got to understand, he's 18 years old. Doc Rivers was quoted, obviously that's his dad, was saying that he thinks he'll be a better pro because uh, at, at, at Duke he was asked to be a penetrator. Uh, and, and, and he was the only guy that could get in, get into the lane. And he felt like, you know, he really had to work on that. And I think Doc's theory is, is that when he's free to just mix and match – uh, and divide his time trying to get in the lane or shooting a jump shot that, that he'll be a little freer. So it'll be interesting. Uh, he was kind of a polarizing figure among scouts. I, right. I think he received some criticism. But in, in defense of the kid, you know, he, he got a ton of scrutiny because who his dad is. Right. And uh, I, I think he can play, you know. It, it, but it, it's interesting how guys that you wouldn't think of, like Waiters, he's not a pure jump shooter by any means. But he's big and physical, and, and it's hard. It's been hard for college kids to stay in front of him. Yeah. And, and he's going to be able to take pounding. So there's a guy who could well go ahead of somebody that was rated a lot higher coming out of high school. What, I mean, Harrison Barnes was a guy, Chris, who two years ago everybody is assuming he's going to be a number one pick whenever he comes out. Now I, I'm seeing his name slotted in the in the bottom half of the top ten and. And some people even saying he might not go until the early teens. Is what what changed so dramatically about Harrison Barnes that that he's now considered a guy that's not a lock for the top, you know, four or five no, on the draft? I, I could surmise that that he, he didn't have a strong NCAA tournament, and when they needed him to step up without Kendall Marshall, he didn't shoot the ball well. Mm-hmm. And I, I think some people wonder, you know, is he going to match the moment? And uh, that that could be it. I, he, he he didn't score the ball really when they needed him to without Kendall Marshall. I mean, I think they were still good enough to beat Kansas without Kendall Marshall. But, you know, n- not everybody was clicking, and they, they had to be. And that, that could be it, is, is that he just – maybe some people think he hasn't performed on that stage. Right. How much, Chris, does NCAA tournament – I mean, does it count that much when we're evaluating these guys? Or, or is it, you know, just kind of like a bonus if, the, if you can see them play well in the tournament? Well, Lang, I, I think if, if you're worth your soul as a scout, you've seen these kids a dozen times in person already. Yeah. And, and you know about them. But what they're looking for is, I think, is guys that can capture the moment and, and step up to the challenge. And uh, I think it reveals character in that way. And if, if, you, if you are able to, to perform at this level, uh, then I think, the, you know, it translates well. And, you know, at, at at the NBA level, you're going to be facing this kind of talent all the time. So yeah. it's, it's a good barometer when you're, when you're squaring off against other teams that have two, three, four NBA prospects. Chris, the, the prevailing mood of the coaches down there uh, at the Final Four, I know that's a, an annual you know, gathering of, of NCAA types and that sort of thing. What's the mood about the college game right now in general? I mean, you know, we, from our perspective, we're looking at it. And, and we really just gauge, hey, how many pros 
you know, how many of these guys are going to be pros this year and, you know, is right. the game healthy? But, I mean, what's the what's the movement? What's going on? What's the vibe of those coaches down there right now about the college game and where they think it is? Well, you know, the coaches are always going to be tireless uh, supporters uh, of it and, and, and spokesmen for the game. But mm-hmm. I've, I've seen some things where, you know, uh, USA Today wrote a piece about attendance being down and, you know, I, I don't know that that's a reflection, guys, of the college game and, and, and whether it's attracting enough athletes or attracting enough fans. I think it's kind of a byproduct of television because if you look at it, man, you can watch games all day yeah. long, seven days a week. Right. And I think in accepting that TV money, there's been a little bit of trade-off. And, and so many people now, you can pull your phone out and watch a game. Right. Uh, so, and, you know, people are saying, like, at Duke, maybe the, the student support has been down. It's that way all over. It's just the generation. Everybody's carrying a pocket computer in their back pocket. And it's, it's a little different. But I think the game is still vital and strong. I, I, I think that every year in March, and, again, I'm a geek for who? <laughs> I, I admit that. I, you know, I, I can't lie. That's what I am. And every March, uh, I think the game kind of gets reaffirmed. Sure. And, and, and we see new heroes, C.J. McCollum at Lehigh. Nobody gave them a snowball's chance uh, to, to beat Duke. And there hadn't been a 2 versus 15 up since since 01. And he comes in there and scores 30, gets six assists and six boards. And Coach K says he was the best player on the floor tonight. So all of a sudden, this is a kid that the, the public at large hadn't heard about. Right. And he's pondering whether he should come out and go into the draft. No question. So uh, the game, to me, uh, always reaffirms itself in March. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, we love talking to you as always, Chris. Uh, make sure you enjoy the Final Four and then get a little rest before the draft kicks up because, you know, we got to talk again nonstop leading up to draft time. So, <laughs> Anytime, uh, guys. Always enjoy being with you. All right, Chris. Thank Thanks, you, Chris. man. Thanks. Chris Dortch, Lang of NBA TV, NBA.com, the Blue Ribbon College Yearbooks, basketball and football, all that good stuff. Joining us live from New Orleans, side of the Final Four. Lang, before we wrap up our, our NC2A talk, who do, you, who do you like this weekend? Who do you think cuts the nets down in New Orleans? I mean, Kentucky. Yeah. I, I, you know, <laughs> that's kind of obvious, right? <laughs> hey, what do you like? Money! <laughs> I don't know if... Uh, I mean, I guess the question with them is 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 really a, a Calipari question. Is you know, can he win the big one? Right. Um, and and I just don't know what teams have enough talent to beat them. I, I just you know, I, I don't know if um, if Louisville can knock them off, and especially Kansas State or I mean Kansas or Ohio State. So I, right. I don't really think there's a team that has. I don't think there's a team that has the talent to beat them, but that hasn't stopped other teams before who had the talent from from losing so <laughs> right well i'm i'm going I, i'm i'm gonna go with kansas okay um, and i hate to is it because you saw them in person last week it's just because i um i think i like I, I like to pick the team to me that looks like it's on the best vibe coming in um and you know the michigan and me won't allow me to pick ohio state um Everybody's going to obviously look at Kentucky and assume they got a chance. I, to me, the the final four matchups are what really stick out. You know, the Calipari, uh, you know, Patino. Kentucky Patino Louisville dynamic is fascinating. And if you don't, you know, if you don't even if you're not a big college basketball fan, you still need to tune in just to see that spectacle that'll be on TV Saturday right. night. Um, and then you know, I, I always love it when there's so much attention on one side. Because that mean Ohio, means Ohio State 
you know, and Kansas are probably on the other side thinking nobody's paying attention to us and we, you know, we both feel like we got a chance to win it. So uh, the Final Four weekend to me is great. The only thing I can see that would make it better is if they actually played a third-place game, which I don't think they'd be able to get people's spirits up to play that game. After you lose, you know, after you lose your chance to go play for the national championship, it'd be pretty hard to get those kids' spirits back up, you know, to play for third place. It's not like uh, the high school tournament or uh, AAU tournament or something. So, but it would be interesting to me just to see how those teams would bounce back, uh, you know, a day after basically what's the biggest loss of your season if you lose in the Final Four. It's kind of like the bronze medal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'd just be curious to see how they respond and uh, what they do. But, but yeah, I, I, I like Kansas. I like. It's funny because of that game, I saw Ohio State last weekend, and I was mm-hmm. really impressed with them. Um, yeah, they're they're loaded. I mean, there's not a there's not a Cinderella in the Final Four. All these teams you could have seen, I think, going into the tournament. You say to yourself, could you see this team making it all the way to the Final Four? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, absolutely. North, you know, North Carolina was another one of those teams. I think everybody looked at and thought they would be there, uh, but but certainly these four teams stick out among. The, the best of the best this season in college basketball. Louisville may be on the fringes for some people who don't watch as much college hoops, but I, I have tuned in. You know, I, with all of the games, too, in the tournament, when they get to tournament time and you got them all on the, the Turner family of networks, that makes it even easier to lock in come tournament time when you can flick on True TV and watch uh, right. watch NCAA tournament games. But I, I, I did make it a point to, to really – sit down and watch a little bit more college hoops this year than I have maybe in the recent past. And it helped because you end up recognizing some of these names and some of these faces and you're right. a little bit more familiar with the games come tournament time. It'll be interesting. Um, you know, we made our picks. I'm sure everybody else's brackets are either busted or still breathing as they go into Final Four weekend. But, again, Chris Dorch of uh, NBA TV and NBA.com, our college draft expert, uh, the Blue, Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. Uh, joining us, and we appreciate him for giving us some insight on the Final Four this weekend. Um, all right, Seku. So our next guest is is with us now, and you asked for a uh, you asked me for a, a big time star, a superstar. <laughs> That's right on the podcast. So I got us a big time superstar on with us now is uh, the talented and lovely actress Genesis Rodriguez. She's currently starring in Casa de Mi Padre. How's that? Is that, is that good? Is that right? Thank you. No, no, that was great. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and she was in Man on the Ledge, and she's got a she's in the new Schwarzenegger movie coming out next year. And Genesis, hello. Hello. Hey guys. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm really good, actually. So uh, I interviewed Genesis a while ago, and for an, yeah. a, a magazine thing, and I mentioned somehow the Miami Heat came up, and then the whole Uh-oh. conversation turned to basketball. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure we forgot about the interview and we talked about basketball for a good 30 minutes. Nice. <laughs> nice. And it turns out Genesis is a huge Miami Heat fan. And you made clear to me that you've been a Miami Heat fan your entire life, right? My entire life. My entire life. Um, I've I've been with the Heat since I was two. Um, and it, it was a, a, a thing with my uncle and I. So, I mean... It's what keeps me together with my uncle, basketball talk, you know? So it's very important to me. <laughs> right. right. Now, Genesis, you, I mean, you're a dyed-in-the-wool Miami Heat fan. I got to ask, what were your what were your impressions or your, your initial thoughts when you heard LeBron James and uh, Chris Bosh were coming there? Did Were you, oh, like everybody else, like running through the streets crazy happy? 
listen, of, of co- who wouldn't be crazy happy? <laughs> I, I mean, we had, first of all, I don't know if you know of Dan Levitard. Yes, but yeah. Just all of Dan Levitard's rants were like my, my pumping up songs. I would work out to them because I was just so pumped. <laughs> These guys were coming to our team. Uh, I swear to you, it was just so exciting. Um, but but if, but the thing is, is that I already had Dwayne Wade. I was already <laughs> happy with that. You know, I just didn't yeah. want him to leave. I didn't want to to, to lose him. I, I was most happy with Dwayne Wade staying better than 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 getting these guys. But I mean, I couldn't have it any better. I'm really happy. Right. Who was your Who was your favorite Heat player when you were you were a kid, Genesis? Um, I mean, I have so many favorites, but it's always going to be Zoe because he's the heart of the Heat, yeah. and he still is. Um, he, he really, he really defined it for me. Such a great, sensitive player, and uh, just, just an amazing human being. So much heart. I like, right. I like the struggle, and I like the hustle, and he stick. He just stood by us, and uh, I'm so <laughs> happy he, he finally got the ring. You know, he really deserved it. Did you have a jersey, an Alonzo jersey, or? Of course I did. What are you kidding me? <laughs> what are you kidding me? And then, like, I remember, I remember it was just I, I, back in school. I would just, you know, just stare at our lineup, who we were playing. Um, I was just obsessed, obsessed with the Heat, <laughs> and um, I, 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 I literally um, just I live in, in, and die for these guys. Really, I really do. Genesis. I mean, you're a huge fan, obviously. Did you ever play? I mean, were you ever a basketball player at any point in your life? Are you kidding me? I talk so much shoot. Can I say shoot on the podcast? Sure. Because you can now. We'll bleep I, it out later. <laughs> I talk so much. I talk so much, and I have no game whatsoever. I'm just the worst. I'm the worst player alive. Um, but I enjoy basketball so much. Uh, I, I I actually learned a couple of days ago how to shoot for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Literally the worst. Now I appreciate it. It's so much harder than it looks. <laughs> I think you did. You tell me you, uh, you you tried playing was it softball? Yes, I tried playing softball. Um, my grandfather is a huge baseball fan, and his lifelong dream was for me to play softball. Um, he didn't have a, any boys in the family, so I, I uh, automatically went to um, the tryouts. They said, oh, that girl has long legs. She could run. And um, I, I was there for about two weeks, and then all of a sudden this girl just threw a ball at me, and I, I, it ended up in the face, and I had the stitches in my face, the stitches, um, for about two weeks, and it was not a cool look for me. So I decided uh, sports, sports aren't for me, you know, not, not to actually play. Is being an actor or, like, being in one of these movies with a big cast like that, I mean, that seems like it's got to be a little bit like you're on a team, right? That's It's like sports in that sense? Absolutely, and so much responsibility. You have so much pressure, and, and, and um, you have to bring your A game every single time. Uh, you can't yeah. lose it because if you lose it, the crew loses it, the director loses it, and it's just it trickles down. And um, for sure, I, I, I think that... I think personally, having having that background in sports just teaches you so much about life and mm-hmm. uh, how to how to be how to be one with the team and and bring something to the table. It's not a solo game, Kobe Bryant. <laughs> well, what's it like for you in LA? I was going to ask you that. I, I know you went to that. You, you emailed me that you were all excited about going to that Heat Lakers game. Didn't work out so well for you, I don't think. But <laughs> what's it like being it did in the not middle? Go well for me. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you, can you wear, 
yeah, you wore your heat shirt, right? Yeah, man. Uh, I was pretty much the the only Heat fan in the stadium. Um, it was it was pretty bad, and of course, I had to wear my "Let Them Hate" shirt. Just <laughs> um, talking so much crap, but but uh, you know that the, the Lakers gave it to us, and uh, we went back home with our tail between our legs. For sure. <laughs> Genesis, you, I mean, is as big a deal as as the NBA can be for you know fans out there and average fans. You've been acting for a long time. I mean, you've been you've been in this business clearly for quite some time. How did you get started? Uh, you know, in acting. I mean, who, and who has the stones to get up there and and do that? Well, you know, I, just just um, going to an audition is just one of the hardest things to do because it's putting out all your emotions and uh it's such a personal thing when they say no to you you know they're saying no to what you're feeling right so it's extremely hard uh to take that kind of rejection and to keep on going um but but i'm a bull man i mean i i started off um auditioning when i was uh, 15 mm-hmm. um in my first audition i landed the job so that was really weird and i got a six-year contract and i was in spanish television mm-hmm. so i i automatically thought that acting was easy, <laughs> and I moved out to L.A., and uh, I, it, it was just extremely hard, the rejection. There were so many no's, and I was like, what am I doing wrong? Like, how could they not like me? And um, so confident, so eagerly, um, overly confident. <laughs> um, but, but it later on worked out, and it's just been a very wild ride for me. Yeah. And, and to, from there... You know, yeah. you said you had a six-year contract. That that was in Miami, right? That was in Miami. Yeah. So you were able to still go to Heat games and, and follow your team there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was that was perfect for me. Actually, they would even get me out on time so I could go to a game. <laughs> and if, if you realize, are the Miami Heat fans? You know, you'll just see like half of the stadium full. They always get late, ready on Cuban time. <laughs> so it was it was it was uh, perfect, perfect. I would get there like maybe twenty minutes in, and I'd be still okay, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, another thing that I know Genesis loves, and that Seiko and I have in common, is uh, one of the f- first times that Seiko and I met. We were in Miami, and, we, and oh. I took him. I took him to Versailles. Oh man! Uh, <laughs> for dinner, favorite. How about that, Seiko? How yes. was that? Ridiculous! I love it. <laughs> Isn't it? Love it. Oh man. So now every time I'm there, I, I take a picture of the Cafe Con Leche and text it to Seku. I will tell you what I text him back, Genesis. It's not it's not fit for, uh, you know, a family program like ours. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so tell us, you know, the season's almost over. Um, how have you felt yeah. about the Heat this season? How do you, how do you think they're going to do in the postseason? Well, I think we're doing uh, amazing. I mean, we have 15 straight wins at home. Um, I, I can't ask for anything else. You know, we're doing well at home. I know it's a little touchy right now with the road games, but um, I'm not trying to be overly, um, you know, unfair here. But, I mean, this season is, is really hard for everyone. Um, just it is, so many yeah. Games in so little time and um, so much pressure. Because, um, you know, the Heat have this, this pressure on them that they have to win every single one. And I don't think we're thinking like that. I think when they're playing us, they're playing us with everything. Everyone's bringing the best game to the table. And I don't think it's the same for the Heat. We're just waiting. I think we're waiting it out to the playoffs to just 
you know, just bring it all. And I think that's the way it should be. They shouldn't tire themselves out like this. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I, I truly believe that um, we're going to make it there. We're going to make it to the finals. And um, um, I just I can't wait for that to happen. I, I think this is our year. I still feel it. Um, uh, I don't know about you guys. Um, but I don't know. I, maybe I'm standing alone here, but it's okay. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm curious if, there's a, if there happens to be a Miami Heat Lakers or Clippers finals. You think so? How yeah. how ob- how obnoxious might you be in those stands in LA if if the Heat are playing one of the LA teams in the finals? Oh man, I, I <laughs> the thing is is that I, my Cuban comes out and my rowdy comes out and I am all sorts of uh, just vulgar fun because <laughs> I curse and and I am just the rowdiest girl you could ever take to a game. And um, it's kind of embarrassing for whoever comes with me, but I'm, I'm, I assure you, a good time. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know about Lang, but I'll volunteer for that duty if he doesn't want it. I'll tell you what, oh, man. You know, would you? Absolutely. If, if the Heat make the finals, I assume you would. You try to go go to the games in Miami. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, absolutely. So we'll, we'll, we'll be there too if the Heat make the finals. So maybe we can, you know, go to Versailles and tape a podcast there or something like that. Oh man, uh, it done and done. I am so in. <laughs> But I hope you know that the the person that you will get at the finals will be the the worst version of myself because the, the it's just going to be the ultimate uh, crap talking fan. Okay, I'll tell you're, an, you're an actress. You can you can fake it for a little while. I, I can't fake it, man. I can't do it there. I just can't. All right. <laughs> I can't control myself. <laughs> well, Genesis, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, everyone, go see your movie Casa de Mi Padre with uh, some other. Who's the guy in it? Will somebody? Will Ferrell. Oh yeah, oh, is that his name? Will yeah, Ferrell. that guy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> did you talk? He's a basketball guy. Did you? Did you guys talk basketball at all? Of course, we talked basketball. He's kind of really upset um, with the Lakers right now. He did confess that to me, um, <laughs> but he he he's admiring the Clippers. I was like, come on over to the Clippers side. <laughs>
since we have wives that may or may not listen to this, but good gracious, you know. Well, Back, I, uh, she knows basketball, She and she just happens to be a beautiful actress. Uh, you know, no big deal. Hey, you asked for <laughs> you asked for a big-time celebrity, a star. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You said I was overdue getting to deliver, on the yes. show. I gave you a I, month, and, and you and you hit a home run. So. I think I did all right. Yeah, I, I'd say you did just fine. <laughs> um, I, I interviewed her for a magazine um, like six months ago, and – you know, we talked about it in the interview, but, but so since then we've just, we were friends on Twitter and we talk every once in a while and her career has just been crazy. Like she, she was in men on the ledge and now this movie's coming out. Casa de, well, Casa de Mi Potter's out. And then she's going to be in the next, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, his return to acting. Yeah. I mean, um, this is, she's yeah. blowing up and, and her heat are too right now. So, yeah, um, I mean, this could be a huge year. If, if she gets everything she's asking for as a fan, yeah. Along with her career taking off like this, she is going to have a monster 2012. Yeah. I mean, this could be a, this could be one of the greatest years for be. an actor slash fan in quite some time. It could be almost as good as my year after I win the Mega Millions tonight. <laughs> yeah, uh, after you watch me win the Mega Millions, and and, and listen, we've been gone a month, Gerald. I don't. I, I can't speak for anybody else's job security, but I'm here to tell you right now. If I hit tonight as I plan to, this is the last Hang Time podcast with me on. <laughs> so y'all better find somebody. <laughs> I'll keep it going. I just make it a Colts podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Colts slash Broncos. <laughs> no question. But I, you know what, Lang? The other thing is I, I'm not – I don't have a rooting interest in the finals, but I will not be upset if the Miami Heat make the finals again because I will be calling – you and Genesis Rodriguez to make sure we get that trip to Versailles. Yeah, uh, that is that is done if the Heat make the finals. So, but you know, then again, if I win the Mega Millions tonight, have fun at the finals, buddy. Because uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to make sure I make that trip to the finals, win win or lose the Mega Millions tonight. <laughs> I might be living in Miami if that happens. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Well, listen, it feels great to be back. Uh, the Hangtime Podcast here on NBA.com. Uh, you can check it out on iTunes as well. Uh want to definitely give a huge shout-out to Chris Dortch. Uh, uh, and definitely a very suave and debonair shout-out to Miss Genesis Rodriguez. Uh, and you can catch her on the big screen nonstop here, uh, certainly this year and, and probably well into the future, for joining us. Uh, on our comeback show here, we we again we're sorry, took a took a little hiatus, but we are back, ready to rock, finish this NBA season right, and uh, get into the playoffs and the finals. Lang, I I don't know, we gotta we maybe have to, we maybe have to do one of these in New York live if if Wood Sanity keeps going on as well. I know we talked about the Knicks earlier, but if they keep this rocking, what are they eight and one under Mike Woodson? They keep this yep. thing going. We might have to relocate the podcast, Joe. You got to you, you you good to travel? You let me. We need to talk to the bosses. Get a thumbs up. You know what I'm saying? We need to talk to the bosses. Maybe do this thing and sit out there on a you know somewhere in New York City and do this thing live at Central Park or something. I got a I got a couch. I got an extra couch. <laughs> well, you gonna let you gonna let the poodle run around and shake it shake its collar for us too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and uh, you and Jarrell can fight over the couch and the floor. <laughs> that sounds like a plan, man. Well, listen. Once again, everybody, we appreciate you joining us. Sorry to be gone so long, but we're back right here on the Hangtime Podcast at NBA.com. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. 
Be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do.